0: This is the Fighter Pilot Podcast, episode 42. Just in time for its debut in DCS World, courtesy of Heat Blur Simulations, this week we're talking everyone's favorite fighter made popular by everyone's favorite flying movie. You know the one. everyone, and welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast, the internet radio show that explores the fascinating world of air combat, the aircraft, the weapon systems, and most importantly, the people. I am your host... Vincent Aiello, call sign Jello, here with my co-host, Sunshine. How's it going, dude? Well, Jello, how about you? I am doing just great, and we are going to cover all three of those, the aircraft, the weapon systems, and the people, with today's aircraft. What are we talking about today? Today is the mighty F-14 Tomcat. Indeed. Now, Sunshine, on this show, as you know, whether it is a retired three-star Admiral or a MiG killer or any DV, such as our lovely wives, We always skip all the little stuff in the beginning and cut straight to the interview. Now, based on, I would argue, the aircraft, maybe not so much these two knuckleheads sitting next to us. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: DVs, right? Uh, Sorry,
0: sorry. DVs. I think we should cut straight to the interview. What do you think? Great idea. All right. Well, I will introduce the gentleman sitting next to me. This is retired United States Navy Commander Roy Wiley, call sign SIF. What's up?
2: Hey, Jello. Nice to see you again.
0: Yeah, it's good to be here, and uh, thanks for coming in.
2: Thank you. All
0: right, awesome. Sunshine, who do you got next to you?
1: Jello, next to me I've got Navy Captain John Cosmo
0: Dupree. What's up, guys? Glad you're here. Well, welcome, you two. We are going to have a great discussion here on your two favorite aircraft, I presume, certainly a lot of the listeners. And you know the deal. You've heard the show. You've seen the outline. We're going to talk about what it was designed to do, what it does well, a whole litany of stuff. And then, Sunshine, just so we don't get too many listener questions built up, I propose we hit them with a couple of our listener questions at the end. What do you think? I love it. Let's do it. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, first thing before we get to the aircraft, you guys, is we need to find out a little bit about you. Otherwise, the listeners won't care. I already don't care. So, Sif, uh, we'll get to your call sign at the end, so don't do not do that part Easy. yet. Uh, but please, in a couple minutes or less, tell us where you're from, what have you done in the military, what are you doing now, and if you have any Legacy, military experience, your dad, or grandpa, or something like that? Let us know about that, too.
2: Sure. I grew up in Julian, California, right up there in the mountains here. And uh, probably pie. you guys have gone up there, apple pies, is what everybody mm-hmm. remembers, maybe gold mining and something like that. Ended up going to uh, uh, the United States Naval Academy. And then after the Naval Academy, uh, went into aviation, thank the Lord, because I would have been a terrible <laughs> Um so, so I made my way that way, and uh, my first squadron was uh, an F-14, uh, the um, VF-102 Diamondbacks. And then after the Diamondbacks, we transitioned to the F-18, um, E and F, in this case the F. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Top Gun, and then I've been in pretty much every type of airplane. So I, I like to say I'm a I'm just shy of 1,000 hours and everything. Okay. Um, and that's almost the truth, except I think I actually have more hours in the Charlie, sorry. Oh, gosh. No, so, I love the Charlie. So. All right. That's all good. Thanks.
0: And so uh, you retired
2: after how many years of service? So uh, 22 uh, post the Academy, 26 okay. with it. All right. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks
0: for your service. And what are you doing now?
2: Uh, so I am waiting for a call, <laughs> as many okay. of you guys know. Uh, I'm hoping to go into the airlines, and uh, I've got a couple of interviews set up, and I, and I literally just retired two weeks ago, so All right. it's well, been pretty congratulations, cool. congratulations.
0: and uh, that, that's awesome. Thank you.
1: Sweet road. Cosmo, tell yes. us a little about yourself.
3: Well, I am, too, from a small town. Uh, I came from Mount Shasta, California. Excellent. So, you know, stone's throw from Oregon. And I went to the Naval Academy as well. Class of 96, so one year before uh, 97 minus one. All
0: oh, three of you guys are naval. Yeah, we yeah. 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 got some here. here. This is awesome. All, cool. trade all right, anyway, sorry.
3: Yeah, so I studied uh, engineering in school, and aviation was kind of where I was leaning towards, and I ended up at Pensacola. And I was fortunate enough to get uh, Tomcats out of flight school. And I ended up in Oceania, Virginia for a tour, and I was in the same squadron as SIF uh, over here, the Diamondbacks. And uh, after that tour, I just barely eclipsed uh, 1,000 hours in the jet
0: uh, on our
3: our second cruise. I ended up in Lemoore and basically stayed in Lemoore for the next four or five squadrons uh, in the Super Hornet. Okay. And uh, now I'm the XO of the uh, Naval Base Coronado down here in San Diego.
0: Excellent. Yeah. All right. And acting CO this week, which is, I almost couldn't pull you out of there to get you here for the interview. I
3: know. A couple more days. (laughs) Okay. Outstanding.
0: Well, uh, that's awesome. All right, and so you ended up as a naval flight officer, correct? I did. And you two guys flew together. Yes. Awesome. Once or twice. twice. VF-102. All right, good. Well, that's why we needed you both here, because you needed both of you in the aircraft, right? Crew concept. Although I'm I'm pretty sure Cosmo didn't know what SIF was there for other than to just (laughs) drive the bus. We'll get into that. That's true. (laughs) That is true. All right, so, Sunshine, why don't you lead it off? What's our first question, as always, for the aircraft series here? All right, fellas. So tell us what
1: the Tomcat was designed for. Ooh.
2: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead this off, but only because I want Cosmo to fill it in, because because everything's in a story, and I love a story. That's a story. We were sitting in in Puerto Rico one time, and our skipper at the time, Waldo uh, Ralstad, I remember thing, this, and he told the story of the Tomcat uh, at uh, when the whole squadron was out <clears throat> having dinner. Uh-huh. And, uh yeah, it was definitely definitely uh, dinner. Okay, and uh, he told the story, and it started something like this, and I, and I don't remember exactly, but it started around 1956 in the development of the Phoenix missile, and they, and the, it was actually the aircraft was built around the missile. Oh, like so, the A
0: ten being built around the gau eight?
2: Maybe I don't okay. know, but uh, so the whole development was around the missile capability. And uh, and the aircraft went through many iterations as they were developing it until it actually debuted. At something like sixty nine. Does that sound about right?
0: Uh, I think it first flew in seventy, and first deployment was like seventy three or something like that.
2: Sounds accurate. Okay. Um, but beyond that, uh, the 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 big picture here is is that it was actually developed because of the thing that it was going to carry, as opposed to the way we do things now, which is develop the aircraft and then right. fit the air the uh, the missiles on it. So it was actually developed around the Phoenix missile, the in fifty four, and then. Uh, and I think uh, later on you're going to ask, you know, what about the shape and whatnot? And mm-hmm. my understanding is because of that, the tunnel system, part of it was about lift because that missile was so heavy. So it was 1,000 pounds. You carried four of them up under the belly. You could carry another two up uh, on the wings. Uh, so just a lot of weight. And so uh, a lot of the the lift came from actually the uh, the fuselage of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like 60% or something like that. And that's uh-huh. what with the variable swept uh, geometry. And, again, it was all about uh, defending... Uh, Our assets from the long-range bombers. There you go.
0: Yeah, and that's really it, right, is the fleet defense. Mm -hmm. And so back in, what, 70s, the Cold War was at its heightened frenzy, and so you had the carrier battle group, I think they called it back then, but also the counter to that was the Soviet long-range bombers with their anti-ship missiles, and so the idea was, I think, to engage them before they could launch their missiles.
1: Yeah, and Sif, you had mentioned the AM-54. Also, you can also point out, I guess, the AUG-9, right? Yep. So that Og was nine a big was, deal. So kind of they, kinda, they nine together.
2: 9 was, was actually developed to support the missile, so it was one of those interesting things. I will never forget that. Do you, do you remember that night? Basically, barely. Uh, barely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just. It was just one of those things. We had mother down there. Uh, oh, yeah. Everything was going crazy, and we we got in this big long discussion. And instead of talking about mother and the fighter spirit, we talked about the airplane. And it's just one of those those fond memories I have of crazy times.
0: Yes. So, well, I would argue, getting back to our earlier point, th- this aircraft is a DV. I mean, it's almost everyone's favorite. We'll get to some notoriety later and maybe why that is. But it, it is a crowd pleaser, no doubt about it. Now, since it was designed for that, over the years, though, its purpose changed, right? I mean, I won't say its purpose, but other missions, missions. Yeah, missions. were adapted. Evolved, uh, yeah. Cosmo, what else did it end up doing later?
3: So, about the time that I rolled through uh, the RAG in VF-101, they were adding the uh, air-to-ground or air-to-surface now Mm -hmm. uh, syllabus, and probably the best uh, improvement of the plane uh, to date was the addition of the lantern pod that we had basically borrowed from the Air Force. The
0: low-altitude navigation and targeting infrared for night pod?
3: Wow, it's a mouthful. Uh, I'm saying, yeah, I guess and I so. knew that right
0: here without my paper. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, well done, Jello. <laughs> okay, so they adapted a pod, basically a, a FLIR, right? If we can simplify it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think it was built around the F-15, mm-hmm. but the Navy had figured out that we could use this technology bolted on as a standalone sensor uh, on the jet without a whole lot of interface between the mission computer and um, I don't know what else.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, my my memory is is it was a two-pod system in the F-15, and we only took half of it. That's the right. The portion. And, uh, you know, it was all really in the back seat. So um, Cosmo had everything to do with it, and all I had was a repeater up front. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my mm-hmm. job was to get to a solution, and then they did all the work.
0: Well, what was the tactical significance of the Lantern? I mean, what did it allow you to do?
3: It allowed us to be better than the Charlies. <laughs> Wow. Oh, here we go. Yes. This is a
4: good segment here we go. question is, yeah, coming up exactly, later, by the
0: yeah. way. <laughs> well, but, but specifically what? In other words, you were the aircraft was not designed to carry air-to-surface weapons. It was adapted for it. Yeah. And it had, by the way, an aside, right, like a super quick process for that. They kind of circumvented the normal and did something in like 10 months to get it expedited through. But regardless, they threw the lantern on there, and then that allowed you to employ, well, find targets, but then also employ, what, laser-guided and other kinds of weapons.
3: Yeah, it basically became the best bomber we had at the time, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, for you aircraft had that
2: wasn't
0: designed to do that. Yeah, you
3: remember had, this
2: was before GPS weapons, so mm-hmm. you know, JDAM wasn't Big there. Deal. Uh Not so yet. the most precision piece that you had right. was laser guided weapons.
3: Plus you had a dedicated operator, yep. right? You mm-hmm. had more fuel, more gas than anybody else, so you could stay airborne and loiter for a long period of time. Find targets, you could pass those targets off to other folks, you could drop them on them yourself. Cool. It was pretty it was it, Pretty much a game changer for yeah. a jet that was designed to shoot down bombers long range to now be hauling bombs.
0: Right. And it early. ended up being arguably very effective at it. Yeah. Did Absolutely. it also do some reconnaissance with a TARPS, right? The Tactical Air Reconnaissance Pod System?
3: I sure did. did. Our favorite mission. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I sense
0: some sarcasm fly here. Fly there, fly there. Well,
2: uh, yeah. Uh, the TARPS pod was uh, incredibly heavy Camera system. That's why well, I was uh, put underneath.
0: on the Tomcat,
2: not the Charlie. Again, yeah. To your yeah point. It was very, very heavy um, and uh, big. It was a lot bigger than a, what would be a normal bo- uh, bomb. I, th-
3: kind of. I think we called it the turd. Yeah, the turd. <laughs> <laughs> not the tarps, the turd. Okay. It, it definitely <clears throat> um, added
2: to uh, many Cobra maneuvers off the end of the bow. Ooh. Uh, mm. Because it was at very aft weighted, and uh, the trim so, system was a little bit funky on that airplane. Okay. And uh, yeah, and really all you did was fly from point to point. It was all programmed prior.
3: Cool. All right. Sunshine, what's next? Uh, so what does it do well? Does it do well? I mean it does everything well. Well, that's yeah, a good answer. I mean, does it? It's a crowd pleaser. For sure. Sexiest is. jet alive, right? Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I yeah, I think that's that. Goes fast. Mm-hmm. Thing of movies. Yeah. Right.
2: Okay. Very fast.
0: Was it uh, it was good bomber, I think we established that.
3: Plenty of luggage space. Right. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I had never get, really got to bring much luggage, but well yeah. for what it was
0: oh. originally so, designed to do, was it good at that? Absolutely. Air-to-air, absolutely. fleet defense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So,
2: you know, uh, the Tomcat was about long-range, air-to-air type uh, capability, and it was absolutely fantastic at it, um, given the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to put everything in perspective. You know, um, the technology in at least the A and the B, uh, the AUG-9, was, was fairly old. We're talking about 50s and 60s type technology that mm-hmm. you know, migrated later on. Uh, the D, the Super Tomcat, was extremely... Yeah. Um, effective at what it was doing. Um, so. Did you ever fly the D? I didn't fly it. No, I, I did a lot of sims uh, through there, but uh, unfortunately I didn't get a chance to mm. to do that. We're it's, about to get to variants. But we'll bef- talk about that.
0: Before you do, I just wanted to ask about the FAC-A mission. Cosmo, before we roll tape, you had said that was also a pretty good platform for that mission. And in fact, in the Navy at least, we only do it with two-seaters, so we didn't That's really right. have much choice.
3: That's right. There's yeah. a lot going on in a FAC-A mm-hmm. mission. We haven't up. had a
0: show on that yet, but I'm hoping to. Yeah. But was, was the Tomcat well suited for that? Role? Absolutely. Okay.
3: Right, because part of that is uh, having the bodies and the crew coordination, you know, to to tackle all the tasks mm-hmm. at hand, but then to have the gas, right, to stay airborne to direct the show, because you're basically an airborne quarterback. Right. Right.
0: Yep. Calling the plays and making it happen. Yeah.
2: So Cosmo was talking about the gas, and you were asking about goods and others. Um, it's hard to you know compare aircraft and in in different ways you know go well it's got more gas it's got 20,000 pounds as opposed to you know 16,000 pounds that's not probably appropriate um i think really it's it was the endurance and that that had to do with the the wings the Mm -hmm. way that they uh swung um so you know when you slowed down in a tomcat i think max e was somewhere around max endurance was somewhere around uh 220 knots so you'd be sitting there holding the flaps in with your hand and uh and yeah, pulling the maybe pulling the breakers, <laughs> the um, alpha computer circuit
0: yeah. breaker, yeah. right? Yeah, wow. so, yeah, okay. That was a but uh, pulling
2: a flight control circuit breaker in flight. <laughs> yeah,
0: bravo, gentlemen. Yeah. This was a non-published uh, procedure. <laughs> I'm guessing.
2: Uh, it was how we did things, right. and um, you you could stay airborne forever in that thing. It would um, I don't know if numbers uh, matter, but um, certainly somewhere around two thousand pounds uh, per engine per hour. So you know you're looking at uh, maybe maybe twenty two hundred pounds per hour uh, in a maxi fully loaded. Uh-huh. it is it's it's better than a charlie it's better than uh, way better than a super hornet, and it carried more gas so you could st- we, we we didn't have to hit the tanker nearly as much you could loiter and that that's just slow speed loiter mm. but then you know you could get going fast pretty quick if sure. you wanted to too
0: What was internal capacity for an f14 I never knew it's a
2: sixteen thousand without the tanks and then twenty with right
0: another four
2: thousand so yeah, they were two thousand pound tanks, but they were almost always mounted mm-hmm. so the only time I ever flew a slick jet was at the rag I think. I think we never took the tanks off in the squadron.
3: Uh we did because uh, Coochie and I did the oh, well. the mock run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: one point three by the way at fifty feet. Nice. Yeah. 50 well, that feet. was you? I don't think
3: that was fifty feet. I mean, yeah, just wow. okay. Right. So uh, yeah, right. 150, 200, <laughs> 200 feet. <laughs> Two hundred feet. <laughs> that's right. Feet. Uh, it was okay. the
2: best flyby. I will never uh, forget it. They went by, they were a quarter mile past the ship, and I mean they and were And then you heard it. And then you heard it. And wow. it sounded more like a whip crack than a Normal boom. Wow! It was amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the hornet and the, the rhino field. always
0: struggle to uh, yeah. please the crowd these days. The those there, days, yeah. it wasn't
2: that hard. Now,
0: <laughs>
1: so if when you cool. talk about burn rates and whatnot, Max, conserve, were Are you talking about the TF thirty, or more the F one hundred and ten? Which so, did you like better? Um, uh,
2: oh. Cosmo and I, f- in our squadron, we flew bees, okay. and, and so that was the GE engine. And uh, so that's the most memory I have. I have about eighty hours in the A.
0: Well, let's let's go into variants. So start at the top, F fourteen A. Do you wanna
3: So F-14A was the uh, TF-30 Pratt Whitney engine. Which okay, I,
0: and what's significant about that? They were finicky. Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think <laughs> that's a polite way to put it. I think the history was that that was an interim engine when they procured the airplane, that it was going to get swapped out, you know, at some later point. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the budgetary back and forth, they said, sure. "Well, let's buy the plane and keep the engine in it." And only later did the uh, GE F-110 show up, which is the same engine that the uh, F16's had mm-hmm. right different maker completely different uh, performance reliability yeah. ease of use right. right for for us operators mm-hmm.
2: I like to tell people that I ended up in a B squadron because I had so many compressor stalls in an A in a <laughs> rag it was uh it was a gated uh, so that there were massive differences mm-hmm. it was a gated afterburner so explain that um So you had five detents inside of Afterburner, and each one lit off another flame rack, basically. Um, But they were either on or off. So there was no variable thrust in that. Okay. So as you went, you've heard the term zone three or zone five. Mm -hmm. So each zone was a gate inside of it. So when you went to zone three, which is what we were allowed to take off with on deck, Mm -hmm. um, so you'd you'd push it up uh, and you'd feel it, boom, boom, boom. And that was zone three, and that's where you held the throttle. You had two more past that, wow. and it was either on or off. Um, the big problem was is coming in or out of afterburner. If you had any AOA on the jet, um, it would it would compressor stall.
0: And sunshine, with your background, is that because of disrupted airflow down the intakes, or what's going on there? It's do you think, or just design?
2: Yeah, poor
1: design of the uh, the yeah. intake, I would say, and the, okay. the compressor stages, if you will. All right. And I know that I think almost thirty mm-hmm. percent of the class alphas were attributed to high alpha or high altitude compressor
3: stalls. It was a the,
2: very very. I mean. Yeah, so it, we, it was we,
3: finicky because it didn't like any transients. Like the yeah. best stall margin was either at idle or mill. So I have eighty Nowhere hours. In <laughs> I have eighty
2: hours in that airplane almost twenty years ago, and I still remember the boldface, which uh, you know, slang term was ease, slow cook it, shut her down. Yeah. So, <laughs> slow cook it, shutter, nice. Yeah.
0: In other words, it was such a real so you would ease threat. your G, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: slow down, mm-hmm. uh, and then the TIT would go crazy, and then you'd shut it off and then okay. restart it, and it was common. Yeah. So the the scary
3: time. part was that one would induce the other. Yeah. And so you could be on the tanker sawing the throttles, right? And you'd <laughs> get a compressor stall. And then the jet would blank the other engine and you get a yeah. double compressor stall. Yeah. Oh. And then well, you'd have to you figure have to out one what, at time. So what was induced by do... the other, yeah. shut it down For all six. while you're trying to get gas.
2: <laughs> I still remember I still dream about the sound. I mean it do 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 it's been 20 years. There you go. There's
0: our sound bit for there the opening. <laughs> the opening spiel. Wow. Well, well, you know what? Certain nice. things, if they make a schema or whatever it's called, they they'll stick with you for a yeah. long time. So.
2: So it was different, but okay. the F-110. Uh, I mean. Well, hold on. So that
0: came in the B, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Now for the F-14A, that was your regular aug nine, as we call it, AWG, right. I don't, I'm sure that stood for something. But that was your baseline radar, and then with and then what? You had one decent display front and back, as far as, otherwise it was pretty Dude, analog? It was,
3: it was totally decoupled. I mean, it was a... Completely decoupled. Really? Yeah. And you had to, in
0: the back, didn't you, Cosmo, have to, like, virtually get a screwdriver and, like, tune the radio? I
3: flew with, with hand tools. Yeah. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Wow.
0: No thought in the cockpit there. I, I mean, we
3: go back to uh, the conversation a little bit. When I showed up at the RAG from the flight school, you know, T-39, whatever, sabreliner it was like a step back in time. Hmm. And I thought, hey, I'm joining the fleet. It's I'm true. getting to fly Tomcats. This yep. is going to be, like cutting-edge technology yeah. and uh, it, it wasn't right it was a, a Commodore 64 with wings on it you know the the mission computer had magnetic tape Sheesh. right and so you had and you water. had to you know press play on tape to get like your Commodore oh my God, if I have to, to, to play in a certain software load yeah right, to do something so if you can imagine playing uh, arcade games as a kid, right? You're watching mm-hmm. or looking at, 8-bit. like, Miss Pac-Man or something, right? <laughs> uh-huh. But you go to the, the pizza parlor, and it's been on for years, right? It burns into the display, sure. right? Uh-huh. Somebody designed the, you know, my main upper display, my DDI, in the reverse polarity. So it was all image, all green, uh-huh. and you took image away if there was a target, right? But this thing had been, Brilliant. been turned on for, like, and 30 years, right? And it looked years, like an right? oscilloscope. Uh-huh. Oh, oh yeah, it so like an most yeah. of the screens were, were burnt in in solid green, and yeah. so it was this labor of love that you take off and you point the radar at the, at the horizon, at the dirt, and you go, can I even see anything? Oh, and geez. a lot of times it was just burnt in, right? And so this little screwdriver he carried, there was three uh, screws underneath the display, two of which did something on the display. One, it was like 240 volts of high-voltage electricity. Which, you know, you didn't want to stick the screwdriver. Very in consequential. There. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> Whoops. But so you could tweak the display and of course uh-huh. the ATs were not super happy that you were doing that. Right. But they couldn't do that on deck. You'd come back and say, Hey, the mm. display's washed out and they would go, checks four oh on deck. Yeah. You know, can't duplicate gripe. Yeah. And you're just pulling your hair out. And all the while while you're frustrated at this display, the pilot can't see anything. Yeah. There's no repeater for that up front. Oh, wow. Yeah, know? in the front,
2: um we had uh so <laughs> We had a, a DDI, basically, if you want to call it that. VDI is what we called it, and it was just an attitude reference with the um, moving poop bricks, as we like to call them. <laughs> they had really? these little on the on the on the but ground you, side. But you they...
3: could show the the lantern video. But you it. could, so you had okay. uh, on yeah. your
2: right hand side, and I know that you <clears throat> talk about those. You had a, a switch that you could basically flip that to video, so it would either show uh, the the television camera system TCS mm-hmm. as we called it, uh, which was up on the nose or the lantern video, based on what they had selected in the back. And then below that, uh, I can't remember what the name of the display was, but uh, basically we could see um, whatever type of radar they were in on the as long as they were using pulse Doppler. So you got, even as a pilot, not using the radar at all, you got very familiar with different types of waveforms and whatnot because based on what was going on and what they were doing in the back was what you could see. So as long as they were in trackball scan or... You know, they had a, a what we called a PDSTT, a pulse doppler uh, single-target track. Mm-hmm. You could see it. If they were in pulse, that was on their little oscilloscope back there, and you couldn't <laughs> see anything. And so you would just get calls from the back. It would be like 30, 30 right, you know, 20 yeah. miles. No 30. wonder they
0: called you a stick monkey. At it, that point, he's just telling yeah. you where to go, right?
2: right? So <laughs> That's, that's why you have. From know. an ACM mode uh, comparison over on the throttle, you know, and you flew the Hornet, so you, you're very familiar with all the different mm-hmm. modes you had. Well, in Tomcat, you had... Two different modes you could get to, but really you could only had one. So you had a bore sight. I could click one and it would give me a bore sight, which is what we used in ACM. Theoretically, you could get to what would be a PAL mode, if you remember. And I don't remember what that stands for, but a, but a scanned mm-hmm. square. Mm-hmm. But you had to reach up under the canopy rail and <laughs> grab this little switch that was under there. That also, by the way, would move your um, T D box if you were dropping a bomb. You could move it up and down, but you couldn't move it left or right. So you dropped it. <laughs> And you're like, okay, that's good enough. And then you can move it up and down with this thing, right? (laughs) Everything else was done from behind. So uh, if you needed something and you couldn't get to it, you'd call for it.
0: So you guys got good at crew coordination. Absolutely. Yeah,
3: what I was going to say is the other ACM mode, uh, what is it, vertical, scan, lock-on, VSL, right? That's Yep. You in my office in the backseat. And so the workaround for that was, uh, and I saw this in the rag, was a BIC pin cap that they jam over the... uh, the toggle switch. So it's stuck up higher.
0: So you could find it without
3: So in an ACM, you know, right, I need to I need to get G. that mode. Right. You know, there's so many switches that this thing's stuck up like that tall. You can sweep like... it with your hand and it would activate.
2: Remember they, these are when we talk about switches, it's just like um like your standard little silver switch, you know, that uh-huh. you're and it's
0: like the tip of a pinky. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I mean I mean so yeah. if you've got a hundred of those things back there and you're looking you know, you're under a lot of G and you're looking up over the top and right. you call Vrivius vsl i think it was called
3: yeah you can do high or low or something and,
2: and, and there was different ones he had to be able to flick it from the back you can imagine you know how hard it can be to find that stuff when you're used to everything with your hands and uh, you know oh, on the okay. hands and stick yeah. and we've throttle. come a long way it's, yeah i guess yeah. Yeah. it's yeah.
3: amazing these
2: days okay well so, you
0: had to really be operators yeah so
1: i was gonna say so if you have all these workarounds that became procedures but in 91 i think that the d or the super tomcat came out with the glass cockpit the upgraded avionics to include the APG-71. Correct, right? and
2: I don't know enough about it, but I can tell you that they definitely had um, different modes. So it was it was much more ho- uh, hands on throttle and stick yeah. than what I'm talking about. So we're talking about A's and B's. Right. Mm-hmm. The the D had much more capability. I, I know they had a, a, a secondary display called a TSD, a tactical situational. That sounds right. Uh, display. display mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was uh, a non. Non-fused product, so it kind of overlaid with a bunch of information on it. And then they had a lot of HOTAS available to them, as well as uh, quite an incredible radar. So I know you were going to get to the variants, but...
0: Well, we're on the variants. So the A and the B are, what, pretty similar except for the engine? Is that fair? Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Same plane, different engine. Same plane,
0: different engine. And then the D, to your point, Sunshine had a new radar, APG-71, I Mm -hmm. believe it was, and a new ejection seat, the NACES. Yep. Uh, probably a better HUD. I don't know how your HUD was in A and B. I heard it was pretty basic.
2: So uh, it's it's awesome to talk about nowadays. Uh, you would actually, as you look at the horizon, <laughs> you would you would turn the knob to get to the horizon. So it would have a line out there, <laughs> and you turn the knob, and it would go to. So you'd either so you tell the HUD instead of the HUD telling you. Correct. So you either set it. So some people nice. set it at the horizon, mm-hmm. and some people set it a little below the horizon uh, for different reasons because it because it actually when you moved the airplane, it moved anyways. Okay. And then uh, mm. in your air-to-air modes, for, mm-hmm. what you, for what it's worth, you had uh, indicator every 30 degrees in pitch. That's there it? Was, wow. That's
0: it. Goodness. Right? And it was all
2: displayed one, yeah. actually on the window. Not We didn't have a HUD sitting up. <clears throat> it was just projected right onto the window. Huh. So there was not a whole lot there.
0: On the windscreen? Yeah. Okay.
2: On the actual windscreen. Gotcha.
0: Okay, so, Seth, the first time... You flew an F-14 in the rag. You flew it. There were no. They're all two-seaters, but there were no two-seat trainers, there correct?
2: Was, there was absolutely zero trainers. Um, and you know, I, I talk to guys about this nowadays, and and they always kind of joke about it, like, "What do you mean there was no stick in the back?" Um, you did a flip-flop pop. So the first time, mine was with a uh, uh, I, I can't I can't remember his uh, f- his first name, but his last name was Knudsen. Um And we we went out, and I sat in the back. Um, somebody started for me. So we had somebody out there fluff the airplane. And uh, yeah, cause I, that's could, disturbing. I, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do in the back. Fight, cause uh-huh. we had to run different stuff to get it started. So right. um, I didn't know what I was doing in the back. So that you fluff the airplane then you sit in the back and basically you watch what they do. Right. And then they get in the back and right. you get in the front and you do the exact same flight. Right. It included, and I like to talk about performance wise because everything else it included, you started at 500 feet. Uh, you lit the cans at 500, 500 feet, 550 knots, lit the cans. And this was in an A. Put it up 70 degrees, and then you rolled out when you hit it 250 knots, and that was at about thirty-three to 35,000 feet. Wow. 70 seconds. You timed it. <laughs> nice. So, Time to climb. You
0: still remember yeah. all that. That's cool. Yeah. But, but to be fair, you did probably a lot of mock-up tr- uh, cockpit trainers before that, a lot of academics. and We so, talked about this on the A7 mm-hmm. with Demon.
2: Yeah, so the sims were um, much more realistic, I want to say, than okay. many of the sims. The Sims themselves, I think. If correct me if I'm wrong, but they could use them to uh, investigate uh, some of the uh, some of the stuff going on in the airplane. I know when we we had an airplane that got lost, uh, um, they did investigations inside of the Sims. So it they was it was it. it was it was good enough to be able to to check out flying characteristics oh, wow. um, inside of the Sims, as opposed to nowadays, which a lot of Sims don't necessarily fly exactly mm-hmm.
0: like the airplanes. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think that's true. The The, the,
3: the Sims were hokey though. Yeah, I mean, they had their they <laughs> right? had their stuff. I mean, stuff. The, uh, well, they were probably old too, right? Like well, when when a pilot had a sim, like a NATOPS check or whatever. Uh-huh. The uh, the full dome, you know, with the visuals and everything, had no backseat in it. Yeah. So I would sit room. at the at the console with the the contracted <laughs> no instructor kidding. doing uh, yeah. the, you know the NATOPS flight with my PCL, not looking at the, the uh, it's going to be a left engine fire, you know. And, <laughs> Well, nice. and, that's and, how they did it. And okay, when you wow. did
2: tactical sims in those particular, I think it was the two Fox One Thirty Nines, they were in different rooms. They were literally in a different room, like forty, fifty, sixty feet away, huh. whatever, yeah. over in the different room. And, and so, I mean, it doesn't really matter because I mean, honestly, you're you in the same thing. But they would be in a different, completely different room.
0: But
3: that's see, that's where crew coordination started, right? Because you look over and say, mm, compressor stall, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know it's coming, huh? Yeah. All right. Now, usually in the variants section of the discussion, we also talk about exports. Do we want to talk about exports with the F 14 Tomcat? No. <laughs> no? You
4: know so what? Yeah. I don't know. I don't much went about to Iran? It. Yeah, Iran. Iran, right? Iran. Are they still yeah. flying? Anybody know? They yeah. are. They still are. That's
0: crazy. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that why they basically destroyed all the F 14s after they retired them? Because they didn't want the parts ending up over there? I do not know. I correct. thought I heard that. That was the that main strategy.
2: Be... Yep. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: excellent. Yeah, back at the time, I mean, you got Iran right next to Russia, our big adversary, right? And we liked the shawl at the time. So we had some pretty good politics going on with the shawl, and he sure did like those F-14s. So. Yeah. But then, yeah, the way that we could kind of uh, snip the, the cords, if you will, is by part availability. <laughs> right. So that was our follow-on okay. strategy. Yeah. And
0: I know there's still a handful out there being preserved for museums or something, but anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. and this <laughs> thing went away in, what, 2006 or so? Six, Something yep. like that. Okay.
1: Sunshine, you want to take the next one? Sure. So tell us why the F-14 looks like it does, Cosmo.
3: Like what, what Siff said earlier, it's, it's kind of built around the radar, right? Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. huge uh, contraption in there, the, the dish and the array and everything. Um, you know, like the missile system required all this liquid cooling, right? So there's a huge uh, tax on the airframe for weight. The suspension equipment for the Phoenix missile was like each rail was like 1,000 pounds. Plus all the cooling was liquid, so you're hauling around all this— on the it's A called, and the B. Really? Yeah, yeah. Cool in the and D all. In
2: the D they got it they got rid of it, but in the okay. in the original A and B yeah. it was called cool and all. It's cool like and all. Radi- radiator fluids green.
3: Wow.
0: <laughs> okay.
3: Crazy. Right? What about the swing wings? It's pretty cool. I mean the uh, the wing like Sif alluded to earlier, um, wings out, you were you are really efficient right. platform. You know, but you want to go fast and the wings would program on you. Boy, you reduce drag and the delta configuration, you know. Hmm. I forget what the wingsweep rate was, but
2: I don't remember the weight. The rate was it was twenty degrees was all the way out, sixty eight degrees was all the way right. back. You could put them into oversweep only on deck, which would on, go to mm, seventy something. Or right. or right. But yeah. uh, but sixty eight was all the way back, and then um,
0: so if you're dogfighting, so if you and I are BFMing,
2: is that something you're manually doing as you fight me in my? Hornet no, or... it, it was it was it was program. So no, but you could. <laughs> Do we get to tell stories? <laughs> it wasn't me. Absolutely. the infamous spider it, detent, right? It wasn't oh, me, right? So it, was, uh, it wasn't me, and I won't say names. Um, but there was a handle that actually controlled the wings specifically. If you can imagine that handle inside of the the automatic system could be placed into something that would keep move it. Okay. Um, they called that the spider detent. So you would, in order to get the wings in when you first brought them out, you'd put it into auto because it should be in 20 and hit the master reset, and it would run the wings it would run the spider detent to 20. you pull the wings out and try to drop them into the detent. You could feel it. Mm-hmm. So you guys have probably seen videos of Tomcats sitting on the cat and the wings are kind of waggling. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's somebody trying to find that detent to get it in. So you get it in. Once you get it in, you test them real quick. You move them back and then move them forward and leave them in auto. And then we would leave them in auto with the exception of when we came into the break, we'd sweep them all the way back. And then uh, at 300. Cool. Yeah, well, and it bled really <laughs> yeah, fast. yeah. yeah. And then uh, you could um, pop them to auto at 300 knots is where we were supposed to do it. And believe it or not, back at 68, your stall margin was like 220, 220, 230, somewhere around there. Especially if you had G on the jet, you could really stall the airplane fast. Mm. So it was very, very fast with them back. But yeah, the the wings, the, the reason they did that was because they had to be able to get the airplane slow enough to um, land it. Because it was heavy. It was 10,000 pounds heavier than a, than a Super Hornet, 20,000 pounds heavier than a, than a Charlie. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you think about, you know, all that energy being dissipated on the deck, it, it was mm. a lot. And then the airplane was really fast. So I know personally I'd seen Mach 2, which is a little bit above Natop's. So... <laughs> Don't worry, you're out in a so Yeah, you're okay. so it's all good. But it wasn't with dupes, so we're good. All right. Okay. Um, you know, 600 indicated at 43,000 feet. The thing was really quick. Oh. Um, and that was just level acceleration, just testing it out.
3: Huh my record was uh fifty thousand feet a thousand knots ground speed wow
2: yeah wow. i don't want to tell
3: you oh, some I of that tailwind
2: that was dumb i know
0: it's cheating but
3: i wish we would have remembered what the yeah. indicated was because Still we wanted sometimes. to see a yeah. thousand in the hud or on the speedometer
4: okay it was so <laughs> fast though <laughs> and
3: uh you know you look down at a thousand knots ground speed uh yeah. we were rapidly departing the cvoa where we were supposed to be yeah. hanging out you know yeah. Red Crown's like, where are oh, you guys yeah. going? <laughs> I'm like, we're going to see our friends Coming in the end. you were talking about yeah. you
2: know stories and whatnot about how much power the aircraft had. And uh, did you fly F-16s? I did briefly. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, an F-16 and a Tomcat. I always thought of them as half and half. Like an F-16 yeah. is is half the weight, and half the in, and has one engine, and half the fuel, um, and half the fuel. Um, very comparable. So uh, you would climb out in military power um, at about 30 degrees nose high at 250 knots, no problem. Um, and that's with the section, so you're given a little margin there. Okay. Um, you know, if you lift the cans on a on a B, you could go straight up, with no problems. That's pretty cool. And uh, and I've it, seen that done. It was
3: cool to be um, have excess power on yeah. the catapult. Yeah. Right. So when we took off the ship, you know, in a B, we weren't supposed to go to max power. We were
2: restricted. Really. Right. We could right. not you'd,
3: do. You'd, theoretically, right. you'd overspeed the, the shuttle. Wow. Right. So it was that's a the... mill catapult shot every uh-huh. time. And I mean, there's a couple times when it was a kind of a soft cat. And pilot would go, dude, this is weird, you know, and you plug in the blowers and we'd accelerate with that. Wow. Yeah, and they, they
2: used to have a demo uh, a long time ago. I know Dilly Brackett, way back in the day, was a demo pilot. And uh, and uh, they talked about the takeoff on it was one of the coolest air show things that they did. They did a double dirty Immelman on takeoff.
0: Right uh, off the cat?
2: No, no. At the air, air show. Oh, at the field. Yeah, At the, at the field. Okay. But they would they would do a double dirty Immelman like, leave all, the the gear way, down? all the way up to, t- yeah, leave wow. the gear down, Two MLMs up to about twelve thousand feet, and they were really slow when they came over the top there. And I think that's why they stopped doing it. But it was only in the B. Um, it was a it was a rocket ship. Wow, that
0: See, sounds impressive.
1: Talk well, about overspeeding the carrier gear. How about uh, actually the shuttle. shuttles? Flaps.
2: How about yeah landing? So could you two block the gear by chance? Oh yeah yeah. So we we had a we had a system called Atlas, and then we had uh, the original Rats, the reduced. Uh, Reduce thrust system, afterburner reduce thrust whatever system, afterburner yeah. thrust system, um, and so uh, if you accidentally went into afterburner, which you shouldn't because it was not a detent stop, it you had to go outwards and up, um, it wouldn't give it to you because um, you're weight on wheels it would or just, something. It would tear the gear right off the. It, it yeah. had a lot of, it had a lot
4: of juice.
2: It had a lot
0: of oomph. Yeah. yeah Well, those are good engines. A lot of. Poop. Well, we're we're talking about performance. Let's just finish that discussion. Obviously, we talked about the altitude max. Uh, what about G? What, what what will it pull for G's?
2: Six and a half was uh was well I think it was designed around seven and a half six and a half was what we were limited Is to. Is that I can't remember. Yeah, six was, and a half. It was it was it was designed for seven and a half. We were limited to six and a half for a longevity kind of thing. Yeah, but there was no G limiter. Oh,
0: so it was all seat to the pants. So it was
2: all seat so of the pants. You had a little thing, and right. trust me, there was many times you went down there and tapped that little guy. Mm-hmm. The gauge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> get it down below that so you yeah. didn't get in trouble. Yeah, especially okay. when you knew new. It, it
3: wasn't like a Charlie or a Super that would tattle on you with a, yeah. a code. Yeah, yeah.
2: but that's where my story comes in is you talk about wings. Uh, I know a guy that th- threw the wings to 20 came into the merge. This was in uh, the grad one V one and top gun. And, okay. uh, you know, came on, uh, entered into a one V one with a F 16 and then, uh, pulled 10 G's 10 and a half. Ooh. And, uh, so the story is from the, the Rio. What's my favorite story. So uh, I won't tell who it is. Anyways, he, uh, he used to say, he said, yeah, we came to the merge, the wings were on. He's like, huh, what's going on? And he says, and when I woke up, we were at a six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Nice. <laughs> Holy
1: smokes! Yeah, well. Nice. Hey, All with right. the wingsweep, Thinking of one more thing with performance: the glove veins. Did you guys fly with those? Or were they always disabled? Is that those for you? little
0: things that came out in the those front? little triangle Because when we built models yeah. as kids, we had a model that had yeah. those. They were
3: yeah. always disabled for us. Okay. for us. So
2: the story goes is that they were theoretically helpful with the transonic region yeah and uh, with controllability in the transonic region. And honestly, it wasn't really a big deal. It was nothing like a hornet or a super hornet where you know it, it really bumps and has a hard time it, you just punch right through it. but you wouldn't want to live there, right that one.1 to one.3 Mach area was kind of it's kind of a no man's zone. you want to either be faster or slower. Hmm. Those things supposedly help with that and I think they had a lot of trouble, much like in the super Hornet where they had those little extra bits of flaps that they got mm-hmm. rid of or that they tucked up and just stopped dealing with it. Um, very similar thing. They just tucked them back and disabled it. Uh, and I think they were probably pulled on most of them. Can so I'm they sure.
0: were there, but they just didn't work, or they took them out? I, I think
2: they probably pulled them, because, okay. I mean, it's just extra weight. Yeah. Um, and you had other weird things on the airplane, like airbags um, that supported the, the the wing sweep system. Really? That, oh, yeah. So there was... I mean, mechanically, the airplane is... To me, it's amazing, because of all the stuff that they did without digital help and without, you know, but I mean, it was just all mechanically yeah. done and, you know, via PSIs and this yeah. and that. And the airbags helped the wings tuck and that was always a big problem.
0: Was there ever a concern that the wings wouldn't come out for landing? Was that... Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Did, was there ever, really, oh, yeah. Was there ever someone who landed with the wings back? Oh, yeah. I saw one in Oceana, 68. So, what you know. What was the approach speed for something like about that? About 230.
0: Oh, Oh, so you're not doing that at the ship.
2: No, and 230 is like V-Ref. It's it is literally right close to your... To your to your stall speed. sure
0: and your tires are going to be able to handle that
2: barely wow. uh, so he landed I will never forget it was a it was a vf2 jet uh, and you know oceana is only 8,000 feet long and we were outside and we saw it go by and I, I, it was a buddy of mine and we saw it go by and we're like holy god well it was all you know wings what's going back on? but wheels down <laughs> so they basically they you can't hit the brakes because uh, we didn't have any skid like a normal airplane you you engaged it and you hoped it worked. Um, <laughs> Very so you, analog, you wouldn't yeah. want to touch your brakes too much, because mm-hmm. you would heat them up especially. And with the wings back like that, you didn't get spoilers. So nothing to slow it down. And if you pulled the stick back, you would rotate. So mm. it's kind of a no-man wow. zone, right? So he landed, and I think he took the long gear at 160 knots.
0: Which is almost the limit for it. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm sure it was the limit. Yeah,
2: But it was better than going across Oceania Boulevard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would say so.
0: All right, so mm-hmm. if you have that the ship, you're basically going somewhere else. Oh, you're or screwed. you're pulling alongside yeah. and... LNO. That would be bad. All right. Cool.
3: Sunshine, you want to talk about on?
1: the armament? So, fellas, Cosmo, tell us about the armament. We've talked about one of them already. Yeah, we did.
3: Yeah, the, the mighty Phoenix. <laughs> <F-ball. laughs> yeah. All right. But we could carry the, the normal uh, complement of AIM-9, AIM-7, AIM-54, and then- Same uh, gun as the Hornet, right? The same gun, M-61. but more, more bullets. Okay. Yeah. We'll you know, the, have something over there. Well, the, the magazine was like 600 rounds or something. Oh, God. I
2: can't remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something like
3: that. A lot. <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Uh,
2: and it was useful. Almost six seconds. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mm. Okay. And then for our time, it was all uh, either general purpose cluster bombs or laser guided bombs. Okay. If we ever got into JDAM, but I it came know, later. Right. Yeah.
1: And where would you carry the GP bombs on the on the bird?
3: So they would all fit in the tunnel. We had room for four. Yeah, underneath. So the
0: tunnel's yeah. the fuselage between the two low slung intakes, the cells, right? Yeah. right? Yeah, okay. Yep. Now, that thing was designed initially for the high-altitude,
1: or high altitude, if you will, uh, lifting body kind of thing, the fuselage. And now you're going to stick a bunch of bombs in the slipstream. So how did that affect the characteristics when it became the bomb cat?
2: To be honest, it didn't care.
1: Really? Yeah, I don't Just think so. Just brute force, it didn't matter, huh? No, nah,
2: I mean, that, that, that Mach 2 run I did was it with full bomb rails on it and a lantern pod on it. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> and everything stayed on? It did not
2: care. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, there was so much engine on that thing, it didn't care.
0: Wow. Okay. The Hornet does not
3: have that problem. No, it doesn't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Was there ever any talk about Amram, Or by that time, was
3: it I think too it, much was, money? it was talked about in the D yeah, at I some point. Yeah, I think they talked about
2: it. The, the APG-71 could support it. The AUG-9 could not. Right. Um, but I think it was just cost prohibitive based okay. on the airplane.
0: Okay. And the aircraft itself at some point became cost prohibitive for itself. I mean, that's essentially why they ended up speeding up the sunset, right? I mean, oh yeah. A when, subject, when we but...
3: left our second cruise, the... You know the maintainers. That was my first cruise,
2: his second cruise.
0: Yeah. Okay,
3: they were at f- like fifty-five maintenance man hours per flight mm. hour. Wow!
2: And we were flying. What we flew so six six thousand hours on that cruise.
3: Sixty seventy hours a month.
2: I flew a hundred and hundred over a hundred hours that December. It was ridiculous. Was it?
0: What would you attribute that to? I mean, '70s technology, right? '60s actually, um, just that it wasn't designed to be easily maintained, or were the parts becoming expensive? Or
3: well, like dif- you, you know, contrast a uh, Super Hornet, which is composites and and stuff like that. I mean, our airframe shop, they would bend metal to make you know parts. They'd handmade. Bend, they'd bend right. some piece of aluminum. Put they'd put holes in it. Think about when you, Put it uh, on the jet, you when know? you
2: have um open up a, a panel on a, on a Hornet, right? You've got three little quick quick fittings, maybe right, four, right. right? Which is genius. Yeah, yeah. totally yeah. genius. In <laughs> a Tomcat, there would be, you like, know... Like 40 of these. Maybe, 40 you know, would be a lucky. Speed, a That'd be a small wrench. panel. It'd be like 100 with a <laughs> yeah. speed wrench back there. And so they you'd land, when we were doing that cruise, we, you would land, and I mean, guys are up on top of the airplane, and they're... Speed wrench going as fast as they can mm. and uh, pulling panels. And, you know, I mean, I always just joke. It's like you could just imagine the tape reels down there just rolling, you know, yeah, the computers. It was pretty slow.
3: But, but, but you... it was a tough jet. Yeah. I mean, uh, my Nugget cruise or Nugget workups um, on John F. Kennedy, I'm sitting on uh, right behind Cat 3. And I pretty much have no idea what's going on. Right. <laughs> I'm flying with a lieutenant commander, All right, um, Shaggy All-Wine. And I look over to the Methamy, and one of the things we did for crew, crew coordination is, he made made sure the JBD was up behind you before he went into tension, right? Right. So, I'm looking over, and the Tomcat on Cat Three is in tension, right? Throttles are coming up, and the JBD's down, and the guy behind him is a dude in our squadron, and parked, you know, almost 90 degrees behind him, right? And he's sliding backwards, oh. and he basically impacts the Charlie behind him, right? Yeah. And oh my gosh, you know, we shut we shut down everything. It's Kennedy. it's Kennedy. <laughs> And uh, the Charlie was like, broke, bad, like bent, right? It probably didn't even phase no. It's like and, a modern
0: car that no, gets hit by a muscle car. No kidding. The, the, the air framers are out. Car, they, uh,
3: they had a ding on one of the AIM-7 louds or something. And <laughs> so. it, it like flew the next day. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah, you know, it was so tough.
2: Maybe they put a little bit of that or, or that green speed tape on it.
3: <laughs> but you know, guys were patches products, on their jackets. Yeah. You know, yeah. Grumman Ironworks. That, thats yeah. kind of yeah. where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. Getting,
0: getting back to the weapons, though, so you guys didn't dabble in any of the funny stuff, right? Slammy R, mines, harpoon—none of that crap. I mean, you were shooting missiles and dropping bombs. Basically. Yeah, it was
3: like GP, Rockeye, laser guided weapons. Okay, right. Uh, but yeah. the yeah, Lander Pod yeah. and laser guided weapons was yeah. the was the the pairing that did yeah. everything.
0: And you guys could carry the GPU 24, right? Yeah. Paveway 3. So we yeah. did Paveway 3. That yeah. was that
2: was our funny one. That was one a right. good mission for you guys. Yeah, I it was very yeah. good because we could drop it from a ridiculous
0: height. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so strengths and weaknesses. We've talked about a lot of them already. And so any big one or two from either category that you guys would feel like we haven't maybe hit sufficiently? So for example, I'll add one if I may. Yeah. I would say when I fought it a few times that I did, in the visual arena, unlike fighting an F5, it was not that difficult to keep sight so i would say that was a weakness of the f14 i mean
2: you could see the tennis court <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: yeah the flying tennis court but uh anyway from your point of view AKA as the operators, big fighter right? that's right affectionately termed yep. uh big picture strengths and weaknesses
3: i think definitely having two guys in the mix was a huge strength yeah. for all of the missions that we did um i'll say we talked about it earlier but the fuel capacity in, in in carrier aviation you know fuel is options is is big yeah. right always coming back to the boat, Um, time between tanker hits, stuff like that.
2: I would say uh, visibility. And so this might sound a little bit weird. As a? As a good. Really? Um, So not necessarily out the front. You had the jail bars. Right. Right. So it was kind of limited to the front, and I only mean to the sides of the front. Right. But um, unlike a Hornet, you could see behind you and to the side of you. You could see below you to the to the left or to the right. You didn't have a lex in front of you. Right. So as a pilot, you were sitting out in front, and you had a big bubble canopy, and you were sitting out in front of the whole thing. And you could see all the way to the what we call the boat tail between the tail. You you could see everything that Ooh. was part of the jet. In a in a hornet or a or a super hornet, you can't do that. Um, you can barely see the, the the actual tail on a super yeah. hornet or a hornet. Unless you got a tail gunner yeah. to uh, loosen his legs. Like, and his and lap those guys belts. Can, <laughs> and The other thing is, is the cockpit was massive, right? So yeah. it was yeah. very wide. And that allowed you to get a little bit extra turning space, and not to mention you could store anything that you needed on the right or the left side as opposed to some of these other jets. So yeah. that was nice. We already talked about the uh, immense ability to put energy on. Yeah. Fantastic good. You know, from others, a lot of people talk about the G. I didn't think the G was a big deal because corner speed was so low, but the handling characteristics when you got slow was um, an acquired thing. So there were some folks that were very, very good, and they were all very senior. We had a, a skipper, Pokemolador, that was absolutely fantastic at flying a slow jet. Hmm. But they were few and far between. Unlike a hornet, where it doesn't take much to do it. With a hornet, you get it slow as long as you can keep your AOA where you need it. You can point it wherever you need to go. And right. you know, in the old days with the older prom, you could you could do some pretty neat stuff. Oh yeah, right. A tomcat took finesse and it took aviator knowledge and capability. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike any other airplane our squadron was a big flap uh, squadron Uh, so we were allowed to drop the flaps but now we're talking about actually manually manipulating these things as opposed to hornet which just does it all does it for you right right. so now you got to get below 220 knots you got to let the g below two g's because you'll lock them out you know and really you want to be somewhere closer to zero you're moving this big flap handle in the middle of a fight now Right? Wow. Moving this big flat mm-hmm. panel. They pulled some circuit breakers to keep the other ones going from <laughs> you. Yeah, but like you locked <laughs> your wings out at 20 degrees. You risked like things. breaking the torque tubes. Right. And yeah. yeah. So all of that was much more, it required aviator skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, is it another? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Comparatively to how we do things. But it was also part of what made the airplane so much fun to fly. Yeah. Wow. So, how
1: about the handling qualities when you're coming back to the boat? So on approach.
2: So, um,. It's worth mentioning that there were, I flew two different versions. There was the AFCS jets uh, um, and the DFCS jets, so uh, analog versus digital. Flight control systems. Right, flight Mm -hmm. control systems. Um, So I won't explain how they they talk to each other, but let's just say that when you came around the corner to line up to go to the boat, you used to line up at the left ladder line, and the airplane would slide to the right about 30 feet. Hmm. So you roll out, and the airplane just kind of slid over and slimed over.
0: Inertia or something.
2: No, it was just the way it didn't lock down. Remember, there's no ailerons right. in the airplane, so mm-hmm. it's just spoilers and and, uh, mm-hmm. and stabilators, and it had a very big Dutch roll tendency. So anytime you made a lineup correction, and we're talking about you only had like three three or four feet off of each wingtip um, for, for the ladder line, so center line is very important. Oh, yeah. Right? So every time that you do that, it would just kind of slime over, and then you have to use rudders a little bit. Once they went to DFCS, all that went away. And uh, it, it, now we had a lot of guys lined up left because they'd roll out. And it <laughs> and they they just, stay, it just stayed there. Old habit, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So um, it was a lot better from that standpoint. But it was also a big airplane. So it floated a little bit like a Super Hornet does when it hits the uh, first part of the uh, burble. Um, it didn't sink like a Hornet does coming across a burble. But with a B, you were so far back on the power already that w- the DFCS was almost a necessity. Mm-hmm. So you had to have something to be able to kill that lift at the last bit.
3: You mean DLC. Um, yeah, so tell PC. us about
1: direct lift control. Sorry. It's brilliant,
3: right? It was amazing. And then we forgot about it in the Charlie Foxtrot. Well, in the Charlie, yeah. yep. Fox well, on the Charlie if you we just rock
0: the wings left right. and right. right. That's right. Yeah, but, uh, yeah that Charlie the control services. Because um, yeah.
2: it was just like, uh, wait for the verbal and mill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yep. Tomcat wasn't like that. It wouldn't come down, and uh, so so you were already too far back in the power. And if you pulled it anymore, you're going to get cut. So yeah. So um, you...
0: cut being an LSO expression. Yeah. Okay. So the DLC direct lift control yep. would essentially. Destroy and lift, yep. allow you to kind of almost fall out of the sky those last Yeah, so you'd add a little
2: power and put the DLC down
0: yep. and,
3: and uh and was all was the up. spoilers would come up and yeah. yeah it was magic. And was the DLC was it
1: variable or was it binary? Like it's either on or off. You know what I'm saying? It was variable, wasn't it? It
2: was variable, but there's a story. So okay. do you guys know how the Tomcat got its name the turkey? No. Yes. so it's from the original DLC. Mm. So when they originally put DLC on the airplane, it was an all or nothing and it included all four spoilers. And so what would happen is when you do that, you'd click it on and it would kill all your lift and you'd click it off real fast, right? So the wings actually went like this. Now you guys have an eye. Think about the wings going up and down and that big airplane coming at you as an LSO and what does it look like? Oh, turkey. And that's where it's got its name.
4: Nice. Never heard of that. What a story, So man. don't that's
0: forget cool. this is an audio-only show. So you had your arms out and you were flapping, yeah. like, flapping a, the wings. Like, a, like a bird. That's why I tried to explain it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, very good. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that's the strengths and the weaknesses. I think we're down to notoriety. Now, Sunshine, I can't think of anywhere the listener would have heard or seen of what, the F 14. Well, there's something about the Gulf of Sidra, or, or
2: oh, maybe there's a there's movie. There's a couple or something? shoot downs. I, I don't,
1: I don't know. know. Some kind of time. Well, there was that one movie. Yeah, like Tim Cruz or something.
2: What was that, what was that guy? <laughs> uh, I thought it was Kirk Douglas.
3: Oh, Ooh, snap. Very good. So well played, sir. <laughs> Final Countdown. There yeah, we go. Cosmo, Cosmo. saves the day. He saved your In So crew my story on the Final Countdown is yeah. I was on Nimitz my last three deployments. My stateroom when I was the CEO of uh, the Black Knights was um, Kirk Douglas's
2: Really? Yeah. Nice.
3: yeah. Oh, that's In the awesome. movie, right? Did he so... leave
1: anything in there for you?
3: <laughs> it's the same Naga Hyde folder bed. It's the same uh, 40, yeah.
2: 40 years the <laughs> later. along with all yeah. the people <laughs> that own that air that
3: right. before that. That's cool, right? That was like the best air room cool. on the
4: boat. The F-14 was
0: yeah. definitely, I would say, featured in the final countdown. But I think everyone knows the Top Gun was oh, clearly one. where it made its chops. <laughs> but to your point, Sunshine, in 1981... It mm-hmm. shot down a couple of SU-22s from Libya, and then again in 1989, a couple of MiG-23s. Yeah, the
1: floggers. Yep, yep. absolutely.
0: All right. But it's never gotten a kill, right, with a Phoenix, dare I say? No. Nope. All that money, all that yep. time. All right, at least not from an American I sense a airplane. jab there. John. No, I'm asking. <laughs> I mean, I'm representing the listener here. They no, want to I...
3: know. <laughs> <laughs> I think people tried. I think there okay. were some failures along yeah. the way. I think Bluto had a couple of <laughs> yeah, attempts, Bluto but
0: kinda, not so much. Thanks, Bluto. All right. Well, it wasn't all his fault. All right. <laughs> so let's see. That's that. And then C stories. I think we've had some sea stories. Uh, do we want to move on to listener questions, Sunshine? Do you, you have a couple there, don't you? Yeah, sure you? thing. All right.
1: All right. So the first one is from Sebastian Sweden. He asks, my question is about the rivalry between the Hornet and the Tomcat community. Just how intense is it? I've heard stories of things like a tomcat guy spraying mustard all over a hornet guy's F-18 shirt at a bar, for example. Did oh, you guys pull rough. pranks on each other? By the way, this
0: question just arrived today. Yeah, told it sounds him, like it. Perfect time off, uh, we're, well, gonna, we're gonna meet. The Seth.
2: I got, I got it. I got a perfect example of that, and and I think I think Johnny was there for this one. Uh, so, we we uh, we had. Uh, two Navy F-18 squadrons on the boat with us and one Marine squadron. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we thought of the Marine squadron as our sister squadron, to for, be honest. For sure, yeah. Yeah, because they were all Buford squadrons. Um, but the other two were 86 and 82. 82 is no longer around. Yep. And uh, I think it was 86, but it might have been 82. So we took a... Uh, we had, a, we had a, like a the, the SDO combat helmet, you know, the helmet that they were supposed to wear for the poor bat. That was on <laughs> GQ. When, uh, when GQ went down. Yeah. And uh, we filled it with marbles. And we all got everybody down uh, uh, ready to go, and we stood outside their door, and uh, they were having an AOM, and we took this thing and opened the door and chucked it in like a grenade, marbles everywhere (laughs) outside their room. And then we all stood out there because we wanted to fight them, but uh, they were too weak to come out. Uh,
0: Well, I think to Sebastian's point... There's always healthy rivalries, but in the end, we're all one team. But when nothing's going on where we really need to work together, of course, we're going to rib each other a little bit and play some pranks and have fun in port. But I was on, let's see, so your second deployment, Cosmo. Right. Sorry, your first was my second. Right. And so I missed you, Sif. Yeah. But I don't. Remember any. Oh, which one? Serious...
2: You, were, were you? Were you a Sidewinder? Or a... Yeah, I was Sidewinder.
0: So sidewinder. I was GW, JFK. Yeah. He was JFK, TR. Catwinder's
2: very inbred. So. Well, <laughs> sure.
0: But the point is, I thought we all worked fine together. And, and I had no qualms with anyone. I don't remember anyone doing anything to my Wheaties. But it, it's fun. It's something to do if there's nothing else going on. Yeah. The
3: best part about each other. Uh, a Tomcat squadron is you had twice as many people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there's strength in numbers. Right. And, and a...
2: everybody did everything together.
3: In an, right. an admin, anything divided by 30 is basically free. <laughs> right <laughs> unless
0: you lost this is higher so, level math right yeah. here yeah, on, so me, uh, we we could me.
3: we could throw down a pretty good party oh yeah and then the Charlie guys would yeah. you know end up coming over and it'd be yeah. a big air wing bash or whatever because well, well, they
2: were coming over to yeah. get free stuff
0: right oh, sure pray. well
2: we
3: were,
0: we were like poor, there was 12 the, of us the poor kids <laughs> but that point being made is it safe to say the F-14 community was kind of the last of the real fighter guys. I mean, am I, dare I say, am I going to get crucified from my community for this? But Big fighter the, guy, yeah. the, the world changed when the F-14 went away. I mean, when don't you think?
3: I, I don't know. I, I would say that the tradition is still alive in an F-Squadron. That's good. right? I,
2: I think they try very hard, yeah. yeah. So just for background, we didn't talk about this, but both Cosmo and I were skippers of F-Squadrons. Yep. And so yeah. I think we try very hard. I, I think really the answer to your question is times have changed. Oh, yes. So... Some of the squadron buffoonery, and I mean it in the in the best sense, is not tolerable anymore. Right. Um, You know, we used to go do things, um, basic things. Like, we, we used to paint a lot. I know I used to paint a lot. Painting the, you know, the whole short or painting the, well, the whole short on... Dude, doing for a everything. long time,
3: there were uh, red diamonds at Fallon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, can we
0: explain on that? So, you guys would go out surreptitiously at night Fallon. with okay. a can of red paint and paint big red diamonds. Ten gallons of red paint. Okay. okay. <laughs> all
2: right. So...
0: Such awesome. things are not yeah. tolerated. It, it would be in on 2000- Google Maps years yeah. later,
3: right? Yeah. It's still there, yeah. <laughs> right?
0: So yeah.
2: 2019, not so, so much. So those kind of things, not not so yeah. much. And, and you know, Let's that's that. just part of the way that we scrutinize uh, naval officers these days, and that's okay. Um, that's just the way the times are. But um, we used to have a lot more uh, ability to have fun and not necessarily have it uh, projected. Uh, where we didn't want to, sure, and that's what the internet has kind of changed. And that. GoPros so, and everything, yeah, else. standard yeah. stuff. And cell phones. So, um, so I think that's part of it. But um, I, you know, I, I think they try very hard to have fighter spirit. It was just um, everybody's always trying to live up to the old generation. And I know, you know, reaching reaching back to the old F eight guys, there was uh, you know there was a widespread entire notoriety. notoriety mm-hmm. What's the word for that? For the F eight guys, the the last of the gunfighters. Right. And I think you know you could make a case that 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 spirit has succeeded for many years after mm. that, but it may be not the same as back then. Yeah. Same thing.
0: All right. Sounds good. Sunshine, did you, did you ever deploy with an F-14 squad? I did, okay. yes, did absolutely. You, did with you the, see anything else that dogs and rippers. up? Okay. Oh my uh, God, I'm sorry.
1: I was just amazed at the amount of hotel damage incurred <laughs> by the by both of those squadrons together. So even if you divide by 30, Cosmo, oh, or divide dirt. by 60, it, well, I guess it cost, was free. Well, that was the, the cost the equals Rippers, zero, so. but the damage yeah. is exponential, Dude, right? It was pretty epic.
0: All right, pretty excellent. Epic. All right, let's bang through a couple more questions, and we'll wrap this up and get out of here, guys. Uh, Kevin Drummond, who is a Patreon strike lead oh. from Nebraska, he asks, have you—this isn't necessarily related to the F-14, but we'll ask it anyway. Have you or anybody you know had a bird strike during or soon after a cat launch or before or during a trap, is there an emergency procedure when this happens? Heaven knows how many birds strikes I've cleaned off my windscreens and leading right. edges of my 23 years maintaining jets and the indescribable odor from when they go down the <laughs> intakes.
3: That's all true. Yeah. So
0: uh, yeah. yeah, I hit one in, the, uh, in my 717, and it smelled immediately like cooked uh, baked chicken yeah. in the cockpit. It was it not a like not a, it was not a good smelling smell. But anyway, uh, I've not seen this. Anyone else? Were you paddles uh, by the way, Sif? Okay,
3: I have not uh, hit a bird in a tomcat, but I've hit a couple birds in a Super Hornet. Right, okay. um, one of which was at the boat. Believe it or not,
0: like near takeoff or landing. To Kevin's question, no,
3: it was um, for some some reason we were we were overseas, whatever, and you know the ship throws away garbage and food scraps, whatever, over the side. So we yeah. somehow somehow or another we had picked up these little Tweety birds that were hanging out, right, <laughs> eating the garbage or whatever, and. Um, we had a guy come in for the break, whatever landed, and then on post flight, the airframers are like, "It is a dent in the vertical tail," okay. and we couldn't figure out where it came from. It didn't match a tool, or you know, somebody had hit it with something, but it ended up being most likely a Tweety bird that had bounced off the tail. Yeah. All and, of my whoops.
2: all of my bird strikes, with the exception of one, I I think were all post flight. You just kind of go, "Oh, there's a yeah. smear of blood, maybe some feathers." Yeah. Yeah. Um, T-34 was the one that punched a hole in the wing. Ooh. And, and and then beyond that, the only time I can think of anybody that had a major bird strike where it required something was uh, actually in the FRS. It wasn't at the ship. And he hit a big bird, and it actually punched a hole in the windscreen. Hmm. And uh, it was a student. And um, he had to get a flight lead to take him all the way to landing because he couldn't see oh, out gosh. the front of it. And uh, But they nice. recovered the airplane.
0: Cool. So, all right. Sunshine, are you got anything uh, bird wise? Wow,
1: well, no, I've, uh, I've sucked up a bird on basically on the takeoff roll and I watched it go into the intake. And that not was about on the catapult, it, so. though? No, not on okay. the catapult. All so. right, fair enough. And then Alex from UK, he asked, what would the drill be for a weapon that didn't release when pickled? So I'm assuming that's a free fall weapon as opposed to a forward firing.
3: Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. You either, uh, if your uh, rack's locked and the bomb was you know, not going to go anywhere, you just take it back, hung and locked. Mm-hmm. And then, worst case, uh, you could jettison it. You know, a right. and the system area.
0: for that is different, right? So, like a car that has a brake system and a parking brake system, Right. you've got a release for a normal release, and then you've got an auxiliary release.
3: It's basically what an, an extra shock and shell mm-hmm. c- uh, cartridge that's in the the, um, the Brew, whatever. You want to help me with the acronym?
0: Uh, bomb <laughs> rack unit. Uh, bomb rack unit. That's right. What's yeah. CAD stand for? CAD.
1: Cartridge, cartridge actuation device. device. Oh, see, it's a race. Wow. Very good. Cosmo's good. So, it how about sense? would you ever employ your wingman to go check out the hung ordinance, if you will?
4: Oh, yeah.
3: All the time, right? Yeah, so, uh, it's it's pretty benign, really. Yeah, I mean, nothing to go to our GQ over practice
2: munitions hang all the time because they're so light. Yeah. So, and that's common in the Hornet or the <clears throat> Tomcat doesn't matter. So, yeah. you know, it's a pretty common procedure.
0: Well, and that's one thing that's fun about this show is that something that we all think of like, yeah, no big deal. People like Alex they just don't know because they didn't live the lives that we've led. I mean, Absolutely. we've got collectively a hundred years of service. So, one thing that here. was
2: uh, unique about the Tomcat uh, and and Cosmo can definitely talk about this was. The way that you could check to see whether or not each bomb oh, yeah. was active. Um, and that actually played in for me uh, out in combat. So yeah, could, I think I know the story that. you're going to tell. Right? Yeah, but, but the bottom line is you could you could check. It might have been with you. You can check to see whether or not you had a hot trigger is what we called it. So Yeah, so
3: all the switches for your SMS, right? on a, on a Storage management system. Storage management on a Charlie or Rhino was mechanical switches in the backseat. Right, so I would have to manually arm up a station in the Tomcat. Yep, select the okay. station. There was no automatic sequence that the jet would figure out for me for like CG, right? So you had to be smart enough to go, hey, I don't want to drop this one first because it's too far aft, oh, or so I want to get rid of, of it. We're savvy. manually yeah. man. you
2: or hell, yeah, 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 or yeah, RG2, yeah. So, whatever. You know, yeah. figuring out which one came off first and all that. Wow, that was all you guys. Wanted. But so yeah. You, yeah. you know, when we we did
3: huh? a clear and turn huh? off the cat, and you're headed down, it you'd um, you'd check a hot trigger, you'd select a station, master arm on, and go, hey, is it working? Right. So the cool thing, what I think Sif was going to get into was um, there's one story where these guys uh, in our squadron were overseas in real mission, and um, I think they, they had a station that was hung, yeah, didn't work, and they were running out of ordnance. Not hot-triggered. Right. So it, yeah. basically, you know, it wasn't going to function normally. And in that case, none of the uh, fuses are going to arm, nothing's going to, um, you know, Electrical pulses won't go to the weapon because it's hung. Right. But the wires for the guidance kit and the fins are still hardwired to the brew, right? So they'll get pulled anyway. And mm-hmm. so these guys were like, hey, well, let's selectively jettison the bomb. And since it's a laser-guided bomb, we know the wires will pull the, <laughs> the fins and the guidance unit and the, the battery will fire off. And it'll at least guide. It'll be like a full metal jacket round sure. out of your 1911 pistol, right? Mm-hmm. And it will still guide. So it won't we'll blow up. a lot up. of inertia there. Energy. Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Mass yeah, energy. velocity up to yeah, pretty yeah, much tear right. a truck in half. Yep. So uh you know, improvise, uh, adapt, overcome. Sure. Yeah. They're like, poop select jet, uh, in the basket. You know, right. for the weapon. Uh-huh. Fire the laser.
2: So what's interesting about that is the Rio actually got to pickle the bomb because it's a select jet. It was in the back, so you can't do it from the front seat. So instead of the pilot, you know, I, I happen to know this one. So, yeah. So the pilot you? doing it. it was, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The, the Rio got to do the whole meal deal. Because
0: normally the pilot fires the weapons, shoots the... Correct. So the pickle button the was in the front,
2: mm-hmm. but the, the jettison stuff is in the back. So okay. again, all de- decoupled.
0: Okay.
1: Wow. And the final question comes from Elliot. And he says, what was the biggest explosion, intended or otherwise, that you're a witness to during <laughs> your time as a naval aviator? That's an interesting I imagine question. You guys, I imagine you guys were around a fair number of big bangs, but what was the biggest?
3: Mm. I have a good one. Good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Way back when, I actually blew up a helicopter <laughs> on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was full of gas, uh, and I dropped a thousand pound um, laser guide bomb on it. Uh huh. And it was, you know, this is this was overseas somewhere. This thing had crashed <laughs> basically, and uh, the, it crashed know, but it didn't oh, blow up or no, something. No, that's right. Yeah. Tom's okay. like you got to get rid of. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, higher headquarters is like, hey, you know, all the guys, were, you know, were fine. They got rescued, mm-hmm. but we want to go back and make sure this thing. Didn't fall into enemy hands. So the the Charlies, of course, couldn't find the helicopter. Of course. Oh, they all ran out of gas. Oh, <laughs> I mean. they ran out of gas first. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, they ran out of gas. Oh, and? Sorry. So we were the only guys left over, and uh, we you know found this thing in the snow. And Anyways, it, it had crashed. The tail had broken. It was full of gas. and It was this beautiful moonlit night. Stars are out. Epic. Night vision goggles. But, you know, you look underneath, and a gb 16 to a... A helicopter full of gas is an impressive mushroom cloud of parts and fuel, and so everything yeah. worked as advertised. Yeah. And the, so the sad part the <laughs> is it was one of, one of ours, you know. Yeah. And...
0: Well, but it was compromised at that point. So. All
2: right. I saw no, the that's Moab. A, that's a good one. You saw you the Moab. You saw the mother yeah. of all bombs. Yeah, I saw the Moab. Where did you see that? Yeah. Uh, somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah I somewhere where that. it was employed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was a very big, cool-looking thing. But I mean, again, from a long way away. Everything that you see is on a TV screen. So yeah. if you've seen a TV screen, right, mm-hmm. it's it's the same, right, what we're seeing in the cockpit. I mean, from a cockpit looking out 6, 10, 15 miles away, mm-hmm. it's, you know. Tiny. Although that one was particularly big. I would say. Um, I would say the biggest one I've ever seen was uh, was doing any kind of actual ground fact work and not necessarily in country. Most of that was training. So if you've been out on in the Fallon Ranges, mm-hmm. up on the stands, you've seen some pretty big bombs. Uh, go off, or uh, I know for me, my favorite was to get up on the top of the mountain, and we used to control from up there. Yeah, and that was pretty fun. I bet so, and you can feel it, but uh, it's yep. not the same.
0: Nope. Well, do you guys miss the big fighter? I'm, I'm guessing in a sense. I mean, is it
3: Joe? I'm... I miss all fighters. Uh, <laughs> me too.
0: <laughs> Speaking from a point of view of yes. just putting yeah. out personnel issues all day, yes. right? Yeah. I drive okay. a golf okay. cart at work. Oh, <laughs> you do drive a golf I cart. Do. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry, I've been in that golf cart with that right. at it.
2: Uh, yeah, very much so. But, but I I would say every airplane has its goods and it's others. What I miss most about the Tomcat was that it was the last airplane that I flew, not including a GA aircraft where you actually flew it. So in a, in a Hornet or a super Hornet, when you command something, you command a roll rate, you command Mm -hmm. a pitch rate or you, you know, an F-16 shoot, if you let go of it, it's going to go like an Airbus exactly where you left it. It doesn't change. Yeah. In um, F-14, when you pulled back on the stick, you were n- using hydraulics to move the, the, the stabilators to exactly, you know, to whatever degree that you were supposed to do. Right. So everything that you did in that airplane was was you. And you could get yourself in a lot of trouble because it wouldn't tell you not to, um, as opposed to the Hornet where you do something and it says, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. That's right. <laughs> There's no computers. So um, <clears throat> so I do miss that part. It was, it was really the last real, unbelievable, powerful machine that you was you were completely in control of, so
3: the other thing i miss i'll I'll just tie one on there is the people yeah. and the camaraderie yeah. right there's there's something cool about a squadron in general, mm-hmm. right you guys know that but oh, yeah. the the twice as many people that we had was was pretty cool, but the maintainers that worked on that plane like oh, yeah. we we said to earlier yeah. fifty five maintenance man hours i mean these dudes were like Not just um, maintainers or mechanics; they were like craftsmen and artisans, is what our our first skipper would say, right? So
2: when I was line division officer, I had a night check supervisor, who ended up being my master chief when I was a skipper, who ended up uh, who I talked to today. He's uh, he's going out to Hawaii to be the master chief at Hickam, and I mean, I mean, so I mean, they were just amazing people, and they they worked ungodly hours. Yeah, I mean.
0: Well, and to be fair, we should get some of them on the show because they really have a voice and they are. I mean, if they don't do what they do, we can't do what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think the four of us certainly appreciate their efforts and what they do. And they are the unsung heroes, no doubt about it. Um, so, Cosmo, I'm going to ask you something. And I didn't tell you I would. So if you want to punt, you can. But <laughs> I
3: punt. I, <laughs> uh, on, I double on, punt. <laughs> on, this
0: show, on this show, we have a lot of listeners who want to do what we do. Yeah, We have a lot of people who want to live the lives that we've led. Now, Sif, so you, you're you the man. You mm-hmm. became a pilot. You flew the F-14. You flew the F-18. You had a squadron. You're retired. You're about to go to the airlines. I mean, you've got it. Cosmo, you ended up as a naval flight officer. My question to you is, is that what you wanted to do? Was there something that forced you to do that, and how have you then come to grips with that? And oh. I don't mean come to grips like, gee, you lost. How do you feel? But not everybody joins the Navy to be an NFO, but you did it and did it well. And, and what would you say to the young person out there who maybe wants to be a pilot like SIF but ends up like Cosmo?
3: So um, my situation is unique and all of my, my contemporaries at the same time. Uh, there was no LASIK surgery back then. There was no PRK. So the discriminator for naval flight officer versus pilot was your eyesight. 2020. Mm-hmm. 2020, right. Yeah. Not so uh, anymore. Not so anymore, right? And so I've benefited from all the technology. I got my eyes cut when I was the XO of squadron, right, right, right before deployment, and it was like uh, high definition TV for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. But that was the discriminator. Nowadays, most guys, I think, at the academy or you know in your civilian life before you join the military, you can get your eyes eyes fixed, um, and so that's that's how folks end up in the in the pilot category so for me it was i knew when i was in in high school my eyes uh you know my my father wore glasses and so i was like 20 70 or whatever and uh for me it was if uh and my dad was in the air force as a weather officer you know if i went to the air force i think you could fly cargo planes you know with with correctable vision with with spectacles Mm -hmm. uh at you know under some number and i was in there but i'm like I really don't wanna be in the air force. You don't want to fly I river didn't want to Wong out of Hong Kong. I don't <laughs> wanna <to> fly <laughs> no, cargo planes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Where's you your know, cigar? And yeah. yeah, like I said earlier, like I didn't know what I want to be when I grew up, you know, and, and going to the Navy was cool because there was all this stuff. There were ships, submarines, uh Marine Corps. I mean I played Marine Corps yeah. summer camp. Like you guys probably did. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, that's cool, I'm probably what not gonna neck? probably not gonna be you know, what I wanna do at mm-hmm. five in the morning every morning. Uh, and then, you know, my, my first ride in an airplane in flight school at uh, Pensacola. Mid, yeah. Which was unbelievable. I mean, my story would, maybe would scare people was um, we were up in uh, T-34 over Softly or whatever. Oh, yeah. And uh mm-hmm. guy I'm flying with, Lieutenant, he's, like, showing me an aileron roll, right? And he did it. He's like, hey, you want to fly the plane? Yeah, absolutely. So I 10 degrees nose up, full hard right on the stick. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I hit pure inverted... Uh, I froze <laughs> because the canopy came off. Oh, and so Ooh, the whole that's a good one. the whole canopy wow. goes flying back, right?
2: It slid back or came
3: off. Slid back. Okay, okay. right? Because yeah. it wasn't latched or whatever, you know. But I was basically like a World War II fighter all of a sudden, <laughs> and uh, my little Scarf boom mic wind, wasn't yeah. working. I couldn't hear anything, and so I just stopped, you know, froze what I was doing. So he righted the plane up, and I was like, I better close the canopy, right? So what do you do? I put my arm out the window to grab Whoops. the canopy at 200 miles an hour
2: Dis- dislocated, and my control. whole arm is like
3: flapping <laughs> you know <laughs> in the slipstream and i had to grab my sleeve you know my flight suit and pull it back in and i was like well that didn't work and i look up and the lieutenant's laughing his off in the front seat and he's like giving me this motion where you reach behind your head to get the latch that's right so then i close it and the canopy everything's all quiet and he goes man that was awesome you want to do that again <laughs> <laughs> and i was like absolutely so right. much better than mine nice yeah. So you know, after that, I was like, "Man, aviation is the way to go." And mm. whether it's an naval flight officer or a pilot, um, it's pretty cool. The the end of the story, I guess, is um, I did um, at the time I was a flight school student. The um, the T two was down. Remember you guys, remember yeah. that the T two yeah. Buckeye was busted. Mm-hmm. So I did my advanced flight training in an AT thirty eight in Columbus Air Force Base. Ooh. No T thirty eight. Oh T thirty eight. Basically F five, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah yeah. F five. Sorry. F. I with bombs and, and gun. Mm-hmm. It was just bombs. Anyways, uh, the Air Force up there, when, when we checked in, it was me, um, another uh, Rio candidate or whatever, and a Marine Corps. Um, I guess we're just Navy guys. But yeah. the comment made by the skipper of the training squadron, he's an Air Force colonel, was like, hey, we got some uh, naval flight officers in the class. He's like, at least you guys are respected in your service. Mm-hmm. And I was mm. like, "Wow, super powerful, right? Yeah. Because yeah, in the Air absolutely. Force— it's different. Right. And I don't know if it is today or not, but I hope not.
2: I'd say in the Marine Corps, too.
3: I was like, oh, holy cow, you know. And t- true to form in all of my squadrons I've been in, you know, of course I've been in two C squadrons, but right. aside from the, the banter and the rivalry from single seat guys and two C guys, but, you know, above and beyond, it's an equal profession. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Very much
2: so. And yeah. I've been in both. And uh, I can say without a doubt that, I mean, I enjoyed. I used to talk about it when the, the, the two seat, you know, person who's brought up two seat and a person truly two seat and a person who's brought up single seat. The person who's brought up two seat um, just trusts the person in back. And there's a synergy that develops. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that you don't look just make sure that everybody's doing their job. But, I mean, you don't worry about it. Um, if you're a single seat person, and you've transitioned to a two seat a lot of times. Um, you, you QA it. There's a, there's a difference between those two, between the synergy and the QA. It right. doesn't mean you can't do the same job, but the TCC, in my mind, was developed. And we, we, we put it together, and that's tactical crew coordination. Mm-hmm. We put it together to help folks that were brought up single seat transition to the two seat mm-hmm. cockpit, as opposed to people who were brought up in a two seat cockpit and could just. It was never my job to make sure that he was doing his job. It yeah. <clears throat> doesn't See, mean that we can train each other.
3: The difference, though, in the Tomcat was you couldn't you do you couldn't do the other crew member's job. If you're in the front seat, you couldn't do any right. of the radar modes. You couldn't do any of the navigation.
0: Whereas yeah. in the F-18F, you're kind of sharing. Hey, why don't you do this and I'll Everybody do that. Everybody can cause... do everything. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. Aside from yeah.
3: you know actually yeah. moving the stick. moving the throttles, Which or whatever
2: doesn't require as much. So.
3: It's even more important now, I think, for the the burgeoning you know wizzo folks that join the military or yeah. join the navy, that they have to be even better because. If you aren't good at your job, pilots will take over, yeah. right? Or a weak pilot, you know, the Wizzo can help right. up a lot of that yeah. because you can do everyone's tasks. And so there's a, there's a, you know, way ahead now where you have to be really good at your job so that you're relevant and yep. that you can.
2: The best advice I ever got was from uh, Slimer Richardson, and it was just basically when I was going in was, uh, was to stay ahead of the airplane, stay one one plane length like ahead of the airplane. Mm-hmm. It was, it's so basic, right? But uh, truly, it doesn't matter if you're in the back seat or the front seat. Uh, The aviation game, at least in the military, is uh, it's not about flying the airplane. I mean, don't get me wrong, but, you know, as well as I, uh, even in an in a in a one v one scenario that is really tough, uh, the guy who's ahead of the game, he's thinking three or four turns down the way. That's the guy. It's chess. You're setting yourself up to put yourself into position and you're giving yourself the options to be Mm -hmm. able to make a decision. So the guy that's farther ahead and able to fly the parameters to put himself into those decision points and then make the correct decision—that's the guy who's going to win every single time. And it doesn't matter if you're in the back seat or the front seat. Um, that's that's true either way. And and that's what I think aviation is to me. It's it's really it's it's about planning, and then executing the plan, and then decision and, and the decision making that goes along that platform. But while you're doing that, you're always planning further downrange.
0: For sure. Yeah. And that is the mark of a good pilot, right, is never let the aircraft take you somewhere your brain hasn't gotten you five minutes before. So
2: Sure, and I imagine in the backseat, it's exactly the same because they don't want to be there either. Yeah, <laughs> true, <laughs> true. All
0: right, guys, well, as always on this show, we say we could go on forever, but since we're out of refreshments, why don't we uh, wrap this up? We have two final questions we always ask our guests, and that is, what does the future hold? So, Sif, I think we kind of know for you, you're trying to get an
2: airline gig, but- you're settling down not far from where you grew up, right? Well, no, actually we're moving. Oh, you are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, you're just there now. Yeah, we're just there now, and okay. actually we had a house showing today. Uh, we're, we're looking at moving to the south, closer to my wife's uh, family. Okay. And uh, making sure that they're good, and uh, looking to work into the airlines. Uh, I think it, everything looks good there. And then uh, for me personally, I'm, I'm I'm building on an airplane, and I love it. I, I, I'm learning the maintenance side, and it's it's awesome.
0: Good. So. Okay. Cosmo, what about you? What's the future hold? I mean, you're you're still playing the game, sort of. Is this it, or are you going to take another set of orders after this?
3: <laughs> I don't know. Sip's Jelly. pointing at his shoulder saying, Admiral. <laughs>
0: Admiral. Admiral Cosmo, come on.
3: Uh, I don't know the answer. Um, uh, this is a different game being in the uh, installation command, but it's cool. It's better than being at the Pentagon, which is where I came from before this, by any stretch. It's it's fun to be back okay. in the Navy again with sailors yeah. and uh, the typical types of stuff that you see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm at 22 years, coming in 23 here. We'll be here through, what, 25 or so. I got a couple young kids. Uh, they pick this as their, you know, the base they want to go to, which is a strange story in itself, because n- nowhere in the Navy do you ever get your first choice in orders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I you know plopped us on the dinner table one night, I said, "Hey kids, you you guys pick. You guys are always along for the ride. You know what hmm. we do.
2: Do you want Guantanamo or it was bad? Yeah, <laughs> do you want Island. Do you Gee. want Diego Cornada. Garcia? You know. Yeah.
3: And uh, my kids were like, Yeah, we want on the beach. And so this yeah. is a just absolutely awesome place to live. Payback tour. Yeah, I mean Good. like S- Sif knows, Lemoore. I've been in Lemoore for probably ten years, right, hmm. Central California. Yep. It's different than here. <laughs> Right. A bit. <laughs> A bit. So we but love it here. But there goods there, too. Yeah. We oh, love yeah. it here. No Indeed. doubt about it. So we'll see. If we're still okay. having fun. Yeah. We'll All see right. what happens. Well, we'll
0: have to stay in touch with you. Yeah. While, while you have the mic, we'll start with you. The final question of the night always is, how did you get your call sign? So dupes, I think we can f- figure out uh, based on the last name. What, but Cosmo? But Cosmo. You know?
3: I don't know. I don't normally answer that question.
0: Okay. Yeah. You can punt. You yeah. would be, be our first guest to really? punt. Really? Yeah.
3: hmm No pressure. Like, I haven't told anybody at work.
0: You would only tell about ten thousand people. Yeah, well, so, so it's not yeah, that. I like to be
3: cool. m- a little mysterious on this.
0: Do you, you want to make something up on the fly?
2: Do you want Sif to go first? So, or... mine's not really that entertaining. To
3: be honest, it actually is, but
2: I mean, I showed up. That's literally <laughs> what happened. That's my new guy call sign. I thought it was like shut your flipping hole. It is. That's my new guy call sign. I walked in. Gordon McDonald had that written on the on the on the blackboard before you even in. had a chance to open your hole. Yep. And I had I had two choices I could either live up to it or I could cry, I, I could cry about it I did both and so I'm not sure that's, that's I believe that's a this. good ego defense I yeah. like
0: that stuff well uh-huh. done well played all right <coughs> back to you Cosmo it's a true story
3: I take I, there's a point of order there I I think that call sign came up after you got there oh, no.
2: oh. the second I walked in I'll never forget it. And big i mean you took up well, a Well, to be whole fair lightboard. he was
0: already there when you showed up yeah. so his memory might be more credible
2: no well, i don't know i mean he can't remember how, what 9 minus 6 is oh everyone knows that's 5 all right come on, come on. <laughs> let's 21.
0: go on
3: yeah i th- i think the the story is more like um um well, let me just put it this way i remember um uh, i was
2: fungus at the rag
3: i remember okay. you know so in a in a tomcat there was mm-hmm. an annunciator panel right so we didn't have oh, that was a master caution panel we didn't have we didn't have uh, caution lights clouds, right? necessarily, had fire lights, whatever. But we had this this big matrix of like squares, so rectangles. like a grid, and whatever. Yeah, it was like well eight by eight, it was whatever. Amazing, and uh, uh, Charmin man, Sifir likes to talk a lot, right? <laughs> I mean, and so uh, one of the JOs had taken the uh, the uh, caution enunciator panel and changed all the cautions from like ble- bleed air left to like ICS hot. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck, Mike.
0: system. Right. for the real, right? Was, was
3: this like a drawing? Or it was, you know that. Do you cool. remember in the
2: back of the Natop? So you, you, the Natops. fold-out. Uh, you could do the big, yeah, yeah, do the big yeah. fold okay. out, and it had the, the thing so, in, so, the they, so we had a giant uh, in the Tomcat. There was a giant warning and caution panel. Unlike the uh, Hornet, right. that had the little one, right? This big thing. That's how you got all your your what happened, right? And he changed every one of them to my call sign.
3: Like something well, something, a play yeah. on, like comp something. 2 overload. Or just to my general right? personality. Radio hot. <laughs> Stuck mic.
2: It did make me mad. I'm not going to Okay. I'm
0: so, Seth, so your point of view is that they called you this before you even got there, so you lived up to it.
2: Uh, I, I, Cosmo could do, I could do two things. I could right. whine, uh-huh. or I could live up to it. I did both. Uh-huh. Okay. Fair enough. Bravo, so. sir. Bravo. Cosmo,
0: come on. We're not going to let you up. you got to make something Mine's up. Mine's
3: dumb, I, I mean, but I, I choose the mysterious, the mysterious life. Okay. you could you know do you know the background you weren't even there No. yeah does your wife know yes
0: well she's gonna listen so you just tell her again
4: <laughs> all
0: right we'll let you off the hook if all you right really yeah, that's cool go. that's
3: cool you want off i hook? like i like to remain a okay. little serious we'll <laughs> Man remain. Of mystery all right fair enough.
0: <laughs> very well well guys thank you You're for welcome. your time tonight thanks for flying the f-14 i guess i don't know i mean if you didn't you wouldn't be here yeah. Or in some other capacity, kind of a weird thing to say. I don't know. It just came out. But anyhow, no, uh, gosh, I mean, between the two of you, almost 50 years of service, and there's a lot to be said for that. Plus, you're still going, so yeah. thank you, Cosmo, yeah, for that. congrats. That's awesome. You're, you're doing everything uh, to keep the base going here in uh, um, Coronado?
2: Seven bases, right? Eight. A bunch eight. of bases, yeah. Eight bases.
0: Off, eight. eight properties. Inland, offshore, everything. So, excellent. And you will fleet up to the command officer here in probably another year or so,
3: right? Another year, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, great. Well, guys, I don't know how else to sit here and and, and thank you. So, uh, Sunshine, what else is there? No, just uh, great chatting with
1: great Americans. So thank you for your time, fellas. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys.
0: All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up. What do we say, Sunshine? Let's get out of here. Let's do it. See you guys.
3: See ya. See ya.
0: All right. Once again, a big thanks to Sif and Cosmo for coming on the show and telling us all about the F-14. I thought that was a great interview. Hopefully you learned a lot. As always, on discussions like this, there are many new terms and acronyms, and you can always find those listed in the glossary section of the Fighter Pilot Podcast website. Now, as stated at the top of the show, Hepler Simulations is debuting the F-14 for DCS World, effective March 13th, 2019. And I just want to let you know that the company spent thousands of hours replicating every aspect of this iconic plane and worked closely with subject matter experts who logged hundreds of hours in the simulator and provided input on every tiny detail to help create the most accurately simulated F-14 experience possible visit www.digitalcombatsimulator.com or check out our teammate Jabber's YouTube channel as he has provided some tutorials for the F-14 along with other related content. You can find a link for Jabber's channel along with the Heat Blur and Eagle Dynamics website links in the show notes for this episode. Just very quickly, want to thank our new Patreon division leads, Nick C., Aldous Voboda, Ed Voris, Michaels Jorik. Jamie Ledbetter, Richard Goyette, Dustin Kellerman, and Kay Morton Magelli. We also have one new Patreon strike lead, Luis Cerdo. I want to remind everybody the views expressed in this presentation are the personal views of the hosts and our guests and do not necessarily represent the position of the Department of Defense or its components. So we'll leave you once again with the Top Gun theme cover by my son Slater of the band Jam and Slate. We'll leave a link in the show notes to his band so you can check out some of his other music. But otherwise, that will do it for this episode. We'll see you here next time on the Fighter Pilot Podcast. See ya.